to Sanders, and he's going to get a first down and a lot more. Inside the 30 to the 20. What a run by Miles Sanders. And he's in trouble. Wentz will be escaping from the 18-yard line. How in the world did that happen? First down out to the What's going on, Eagle fans? Welcome back to another episode of Birds of a Feather podcast. I hope you all are staying safe, staying healthy. Wherever you are, you might be on a different routine, but for me, we are on week three of quarantine. So I hope everyone's finding ways to stay busy, using your time wisely. And I hate to start the podcast on a serious note, but as some of you may know, Trump met with most of the commissioners of the major sports leagues and said that he expects football to be on time. I love to stay uh, optimistic about it. I would love to stay as positive as I can about it. We just had the Open Championship golf tournament canceled, which was scheduled for the middle of July. So when stuff in July starts to get canceled, that starts to worry me a little bit that football will start on time. Today would have been the first opportunity that teams with new head coaches could have started off-season workouts. Three of those teams being in our division, the Redskins, the Cowboys, and the Giants. As of right now, the draft is still going to be April 23rd to the 25th. Now, Roger Goodell has talked about, and I believe the plan now is for it to be a virtual draft, meaning that teams will be calling in from remote locations, wherever they are, since most NFL complexes and stadiums and front offices are shut down as of right now. And it made me wonder, and I, and I asked this question, I posed this question to a few friends and a few family members. With it being virtual and there not being the whole show of the draft and not having a location, and you know they were, they were saying in Las Vegas that the stage was going to be in the middle of one of those huge hotel ponds and they were going to have the players who were announced the picks driven over to the stage on boat. And obviously they always... Um, elongate the draft process especially the first night I mean there's no reason that the first night should ever take four hours for 32 picks but you know you it's a big deal for a lot of people especially a big deal for the players being drafted and I almost feel really bad for those guys who've worked so hard to have their dreams come true and now they're having to not be as celebrated I guess they'll be, they'll be with family and friends but it's just a little bit different but the question I posed was is it going to be the same you know, draft layout? Are we only going to have round one on Thursday, rounds two and three on Friday, and rounds four through seven on Saturday? It, that would be my guess most likely that's still going to be the case. I'm not 100% sure, though, because you know, with the whole production process of it all, that's usually what takes four hours for the first night, but... You know, if ESPN is still covering it, they'll they'll find like a family member that passed away to talk about or something bad that the player did to make the time go by. So just let me know what you think. I was I was really curious about it because the draft for me has always been fun to watch. It's always been fun to see the guys and who get so excited and they're so happy and overfilled with emotion and being with their family and they have all their dreams come true. And it seems like that's not really going to be the case this year. Um, It'll be interesting. I, I, I'm praying that it still happens the 23rd to the 25th. If it's virtual, I don't see why it would get moved. 
Um, but, you know, with more stuff getting canceled and, you know, they just, the PGA just announced today that they've rescheduled three events. The most popular one, the Masters, being scheduled for the middle of November, which is just wild. And Adrian Wojnarowski saying that there's growing pessimism around the NBA that they won't finish the season and that it'll end up being canceled. So a lot of negativity, a lot of pessimism. Um, and I heard that I didn't think this was possible because I didn't think animals could get the coronavirus. Like, I, I thought that wasn't possible. But evidently, a tiger in the Bronx Zoo got it. Now, just imagine having to be the guy who had to stick that 8-inch Q-tip into that tiger's nose. That would not be me. Um, but, you know, it doesn't make sense that the tiger got a test quicker than a lot of Americans who can get a test. But that's beside the point. We're going off track a little bit. But since the draft is coming up, since that seems to be the only thing that's that we really know that's going to be happening anytime soon regarding the NFL, with there being a lot of unknowns, that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to give you my three favorite and uh, most most reasonable picks at 21 for the Eagles, and we'll go over some other scenarios to maybe trading up, trading back, staying put, other guys we can see at 21. We'll get into all of it. The first guy we're going to look at is Justin Jefferson. I think Justin Jefferson is no doubt the fourth best receiver in this draft. It's been said that he and the Eagles have been in a lot of talks recently, a lot of FaceTime chats and all of that. So he seems to be really high up on our board. You look at the stats, and they're just kind of mind-blowing for his junior year last year. 111 catches, 1,500 yards, and 18 touchdowns. Now, I understand that he was part of arguably the most prolific offense in college football history. I understand that he benefited from Joe Burrow. I understand that he benefited from Joe Brady. Um, I don't really like to use that stuff kind of against him. I don't think that's his fault that he was in that offense. Uh, he no doubt flourished in it. But the stat that really catches my eye is he caught 92% of all catchable balls, which was fourth best in the in this draft class. And I think he deserves a look at 21. He was the guy that I wanted as soon as you know the whole draft process and combine started. Ran a solid 4-4 in the draft. Pretty good hand size, and I don't I don't like to worry about all those intangibles. And I think the biggest knock on him, and at least for the Eagles at the 21st pick, is him fitting into our scheme. And I, I'm not going to get into all of that because I, I, I truly think that if we get him at 21, I think Doug is a, is a really good coach and a good enough coach to say, all right, these are your skill sets and we can use them to the best of your ability. He's not great off the line. He's not great with separation, but he has an incredible catch radius. And when you see him with the ball, especially in these past few games where we really saw him shine against Oklahoma with over 200 yards and four touchdowns in against Clemson, he's very, very slippery with the ball. He's a great yak runner. He can make, he can make a lot of guys miss. And something that I think is undervalued about him is I think if we draft Justin Jefferson without knowing 
when the guys will be able to go back to the facility, when the coaches will get to start putting their hands on the new players, especially with a brand new head coach and Aaron Moorhead. I think Justin Jefferson is the most NFL-ready guy after the big three, and I think he'll be able to walk into that locker room, you know, with us not really knowing Deshaun Jackson's health. I think Deshaun says he's healthy. I think he's going to be ready week one, whenever that is. J.J. Arcega, Whiteside, seems to be part of the plan. I hope he is because he showed glimpse at the end of the at the end of his rookie year to show that he can be ready to take a higher role, I believe, and have more more of a load manage on him. And I think Justin Jefferson is the best fit to be able to say, all right, with us, with there being a lot of uncertainty around when we're going to be going back to practices and training camp and all that such, I think you could really line up Jefferson beside Deshaun or Arcega or whoever and throw him in the slot. He plays outside too, just for everyone who didn't believe that he was just a slot guy. He had 81% of his catches in the slot, but he's made some huge plays outside of the, the slot on the outside. And if you don't believe me, you can look at his his uh, 2018 tape where he made just as many productive plays outside as he did inside. And I think Justin Jefferson is the best receiver overall, um, the most NFL-ready guy that we could take at 21. And I know a lot of people are wondering, oh, why not Denzel Mims? Oh, why not T. Higgins? It's been said that we've, we've been talked to Denzel Mims a lot recently. He's one of the guys. He says that the Eagles have talked to him the most. My issue with Denzel Mims is... He almost, and I might be wrong, I should have prefaced this with saying I'm not a draft analyst, I'm not a, a you know, I'm not one of those guys, but the, the stat that shocked me the most of Denzel Mims, and what scares me the most, is he only caught 61% of catchable balls that were thrown to him. With, with relatively stable quarterback play, I mean, Baylor was good on offense this year, they were an awful team, so... That stat kind of scares me. His his other stats for the season, when you compare them to Justin Jefferson's, they don't really fly off the chart to you. They're not anything. They're still good, but when you compare them to Justin Jefferson, they're not enough to say, all right, it needs to be Denzel Mims at 21. To me, in my own opinion, he seems like another uh, J.J. or Sega Whiteside where you hope that he can make an impact in his first year. Might be more of a project, but who knows. But another thing is when when we're thinking about the 21st pick and when we're thinking about who we're drafting, I think it's a common theme and a common scenario to think, all right, there are some guys, especially when you're drafting not in the top 10, because those top 10 guys you expect to start immediately, make an immediate impact I think since we're in the lower half of the draft, I don't think we can expect to start these guys week one and then make an incredible impact and you know completely change the team and all that stuff, especially with this new Eagles council of offensive coaches. I mean, who, who knows what this offense is going to look like, really? I know Doug is, um, what he's shown us is he's pretty controlling with the offense. It's going to be Doug's way or the highway. Um Hopefully he's a little more open to 
some new things. But, you know, I, I don't want to put a lot of weight into the, oh, well, maybe Mims is a better scheme fit than Jefferson or not because, like I said, I think Doug is a good enough coach to say, all right, we can scheme these guys to have certain plays for them to really excel and help the team a lot. And a great example of that, you look at Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders coming out of um, Penn State wasn't a pass catcher. He wasn't he wasn't running wheel routes out of the backfield. And I think he scored a number of those all season for the Eagles, especially I believe it was um, – he had that huge one against the Vikings. He had one against the Dolphins. Would have had another one if against Seattle the first time if Carson didn't throw that air ball. But, you know, Doug is able to scheme for these guys who are just great athletes and can make great plays. So I'm not worried about the scheme fit. Uh, the drops for Mims scare me. And in Lance Zerline's draft profile for him, and I don't know how this is measured because this is something I don't think you can measure at the combine. Maybe it was something that was going on during the meetings or from other coaches, but he said that Denzel Mims, quote, lacks competitive nature. Now, I don't know how much weight we need to put on that. I don't know how, how that's a stat that can be gauged. I don't know how he came up with that, but that that's a that's a red flag to me. I don't I don't want that on our team. I don't think anyone really wants that on our team. If that's if that's a lot bigger of an issue, then that's a that's a no from me. I already wasn't that high on Denzel Mims, but the the drops and the lack of competitive nature is what'll do it for me. So Justin Jefferson at one. My second pick second option I guess you could say would be Jalen Rieger. Now, Jalen Rieger, his tape isn't very consistent, I would say. I think he he has like a couple crazy explosive plays. His, his numbers don't fly off the charts either. 43 catches, 611 yards, five touchdowns. Those aren't um, really, really good numbers. Those aren't numbers that would make you say, all right, we need to take him 21. But... When you put all the things into perspective, he, he struggled with consistent QB play. QB play didn't really help him out a lot. You see on tape, and a lot of a lot of what is criticized against him is when you see an overthrow form on tape or something, he kind of puts his head down, doesn't have the, the best body language. And, you know, especially for someone who is going to be a draft pick soon, first rounder potentially, you know, that, kind, that stuff can can easily hurt your draft profile and where you end up going. But I think he has the speed. I think he has the explosiveness. He is a more proven outside speed threat, which is why I think the Eagles would lean more towards him. Uh, I definitely think that he's more established on the outside. He can win at all three levels. And what I mean by all three levels is... He can win routes in the short game, in the medium game, and the long game. Um, so I think he gets to his top speed really, really fast. I think it's 0-60 to 60 really quick for him. And I think, like I said, his biggest 
negatives against him. His biggest knocks in the draft. He's very inconsistent with 50-50 balls. He's uh, every play on the tape. If you throw up a Hail Mary to him, he doesn't look like, or at least he doesn't show that he can win those consistently. And for being a smaller guy at only 5'11", 206 pounds, he gets beaten by uh, press coverage really easily. And it's shown that with, with stronger with stronger cornerbacks on him that those cornerbacks can end up staying with them longer because they have the physical advantage over them. Jalen Rieger and K.J. Hamler and Brandon Ayuk, those are three guys who I, I'm not 100% sold on at 21. I think Hamler and Ayuk will end up being there at 53, maybe Howie moves up a few spots in the second round to get him. But I I think Jalen Rieger is going to be gone somewhere in between the 20s and the mid to late 30s. I'm not, you know, I'm not 100% sure on that. But I think think he's worth the look at 21. And him and the next player that I did some homework on, I think would make a lot more sense if, we were able to trade back in the first round, get a few extra picks, and then pick Rieger. That would make me feel more comfortable, especially if we got another fourth or fifth round pick. But Jalen Rieger's an in- intriguing player. I think for 21, him and Justin Jefferson would be head-to-head kind of a coin flip, but I would still lean closer to Jefferson. So first was Jefferson. Second was Jalen Rieger. And my third pick for that for that 21 overall pick, I th- I'm, I'm starting to come around. And he's starting to be my favorite for that draft, that draft pick, and no doubt a dark horse because of the way how he views and values that position. But Patrick Queen, middle linebacker out of Louisiana State University. So obviously, in the only true way that I know how to get through this quarantine. I've been watching old NFL games, old college games. I would suggest go rewatch LSU in the playoffs versus Clemson and Oklahoma and Georgia, for that matter, in the SEC championship game. Patrick Queen is a little undersized. He's only six feet, about 230 pounds. But, man, can that kid fly. He can cover the whole width of the field, all 53 yards in a split second. Now, before you crucify me, before I go any further, I know the wide receiver position is of much needed depth, and we need to improve there drastically. But just listen to the names that we have on linebackers right now. Nate Gary, the white rattlesnake, or whatever his nickname is. The white mamba, maybe. Alex Singleton. TJ Edwards, who I think made a lot of good plays last year, I think graded out really, really well. So I think he's going to get a lot bigger of a role. Jannard Avery, who is a linebacker, special teamer, um, edge rusher guy, so we don't really know where he's going to fit. Duke Riley and Jatavis Brown, who we just signed this offseason to a one-year deal. That's not, that's not a great group of guys, to just put it bluntly. That's not a great, uh, solid core of linebackers. We let Nigel Bradham go this offseason. So, 
I think if you think of the whole perspective, I think the linebacker group in this draft is nowhere near as deep as the wide receiver group. I think we could still come out of this draft. You take Patrick Queen at 21. I think you could even, I think Howie could even trade back a couple of spots, get another pick. I think we could still come out with two solid receivers in this draft. So if you get Patrick Queen at 21 or even trade back a little bit, maybe 24-25, you get Patrick Queen in the first round, you could still very well come out of this draft with two guys of it being K.J. Hamler, Brandon Ayuk, Brian Edwards, who is a solid stud out of South Carolina, who I think is a very underrated draft prospect. I I think if I were Howie... And this is going to sound outlandish because we know of Howie's uh, record with linebackers. I think if Patrick Queen's at 21, you take him. He is, I, I think, our, no doubt the best linebacker in this draft. I think it goes him, Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma, and then the gap between those two guys I think is pretty steep with whoever else you rank high linebacker being a late day two early day three pick Patrick Queen I think could immediately change that defense I think he could come in day one obviously need to learn the scheme obviously need to learn under the the veterans there he could be the quarterback of that defense that's what he's really good at he did it all at LSU you watch some of his tape and you watch some of his plays from Clemson Oklahoma Georgia He's able to diagnose plays so well that on a consistent basis, he's beating blockers to the spot. He's able to read the guards pulling and read options and all that kind of stuff. He is, I mean, LSU is starting to become linebacker U with Devin White, Quan Alexander, and Deion Jones all being first-round picks at the linebacker position in the past three years. I... I think Patrick Queen is my favorite to be for if I were to pick someone at 21. I almost would put him ahead of Justin Jefferson. And I I think that's who I would want to take at 21. I feel I'd feel confident in that defense being immediately improved. Obviously still got to figure out who's going to be at the second cornerback is it going to be um, Avante Maddox is it going to be Sidney Jones who could possibly have a resurgent third year but who, whoever we take at 21 we gotta we gotta remember I mean there's so much depth we still have eight draft picks I think I and I wouldn't hate it if we move back a little bit because I think Howie wants more draft capital whether it's to actually draft them or to get more picks to trade. Who knows? Who knows with the ongoing Yannick Ngaku situation. But those are my three favorite guys. I know that's a very opinionated statement because, you know, there's tons of guys that you can make a case for at 21. Those would be my three that, if we're taken, I would say, all right, I feel good with those. I think either the offensive side with Jefferson or Rieger would be improved. That wide receiver room would be improved. And I also think if you draft Patrick Queen in the first round, I think that immediately improves that linebacker room. 
I think that immediately improves that defense as a whole. So who knows? We're still three weeks out. A lot of things can change. People can drop. People can shoot up. And it's just a crazy situation with pro days having to be on players' YouTubes and having to do like virtual conferences with players. And it's a very interesting situation and a very fluid situation with, you know, who not really knowing when OTAs is going to start, if they're even going to happen, when training camp is going to start. And Lewis Riddick put out a really intriguing tweet that I thought a lot about and I think makes a whole lot of sense that, you know, I mentioned today would have been the first day that new NFL coaches for new teams could start their workouts that with there being inevitably a shorter time before the season starts with the players that it's really going to come down to coaching. I think Doug Peterson, even before all the new head coaches in the division came, was still the best coach in the division. I think with all the new coaches who are in, Mike McCarthy, um, Ron Rivera, and Joe Joseph, I believe, for the Giants, I think he's still the best head coach in that division. So, And I think he has the most stable quarterback play with Carson Wentz. You can make a case for Dak Prescott. I don't believe that. With um, Daniel Jones going into his second year for the Giants. And the Redskins with presumably Dwayne Haskins, even though there's a case you could say, hey, Tua might be there at the second overall pick for them and he should be the guy they go with and passing up on Chase Young. But I believe with the short season, Lewis Rick is right. You know, the coaching is really going to triumph over over skill players, over whoever has the best players in their locker room. And I think that's going to play to an advantage for the Eagles, especially with the leadership that I think that the team's going to have with Carson, with Zach Ertz with Brandon Graham, with Fletch, with um, Jalen Mills stepping up potentially. So I I don't necessarily think that everything going on is going to negatively affect the Eagles. And maybe if it does, I don't think it'll be to the same stature that it would affect the other teams in the division and the NFC. Um Greeny on Get Up earlier this week had said that he believes the Eagles could come out with the number one seed in the NFC uh, this season. Now, I know it's, it is drastically way too early to even think about the playoffs right now with the draft still coming up, but he made some good points, and I think his points are valid with what I said about the division with all the teams having new head coaches not getting the time that the new head coaches need with the new players. I I think if we don't win the division this year, there's going to be hell to pay. And I think that's going to be a really bad look if we don't win the division this year. Because honestly, with Doug Peterson, with Carson Wentz, with the guys we have right now, we should win the division every year. There's no doubt in my mind about it. Obviously, there's players always coming and going. But with the offseason that we've had, and we'll get into it in a few minutes, but I think with the offseason that we've had thus far to this date, I think we are 
drastically improved on defense, even with the departure of Malcolm Jenkins. I think Jalen Mills is going to do just fine at safety. Could still draft one, who knows. Um, Darius Slay covering up one, basically one whole side of the field is going to be significantly better for this defense and a lot better for the back end and helped out with the pass rush a lot. Adding Javon Hargraves, just adding more depth and nastiness to that front line. And I know we haven't addressed the wide receiver position yet. I get it. I know we need them. But here, here's how I've always, here's how I've thought about this offseason thus far and really to all the criticism of how he's not making all these moves that people think he should have made, you know, like, oh, we couldn't draft, we couldn't trade for Julio, we couldn't trade for DeAndre Hopkins, we haven't signed Cam Newton yet, all those blasphemous uh, tweets and takes. So it's kind of a rhetorical question, not really, but just something to think about. Where, if we didn't get hit as hard with the injury bug this season, and I'm not saying that all 53 players stayed healthy throughout the year. I know that's virtually impossible. But if we don't lose our number one receiver week two and we don't lose him for the whole season practically, and I'm referring to Sean Jackson, if Alshon doesn't miss those games, if Lane Johnson doesn't miss the last few games, including the playoff game, if Brandon Brooks is in for the Seattle game, so certain scenarios where players are healthier, does this team finish 9-7? and seven? Does this team squeak by again? I don't think so. Because there's no doubt in my mind that Alshon Jeffrey dropping that pass last year in the playoffs against the Saints really stuck with him and I think was more of a mental issue than it was physically. But if he stays healthy, he's still a solid contributor in my mind. If Deshaun Jackson stays healthy, everyone saw what happened week one. What, like eight catches, 170 yards, two touchdowns? If Deshaun Jackson stays healthy for at least three quarters of the season, that opens up the offense tremendously. Changes a whole lot of things. So, I I like to stay positive about it. I don't think we need this complete overhaul where... We need to be sending out a, a brand new 11 on offense and defense and special teams. And I think if we can stay healthy, now I'm not rooting for competency and um, you know just staying at 9-7, but I think we're undervaluing. I understand Deshaun Jackson is 32, 33 years old. I know Alshon's getting up there. And, you know, I wouldn't rule out J.J. Arcega-Whiteside having a breakout second season. Like I said, he showed spurts in the Cowboys game. Um, and really, honestly, in those last four or five games, that he can win one-on-one battles. He can win separation against cornerbacks. And he can make the catches he needs to make. But I think if we give him a chance and he grows that confidence a little bit, he can be an integral part of this offense. And we knew he was going to be a project. We knew Andre Dill was going to be a project. And I feel very confident Andre Dill being the starting left tackle of this team. So I, I just saw a lot of tweets this week about, oh, this, this offseason has been kind of man blah and 
maybe Howie Roseman isn't that great of a GM. And maybe he's not. Maybe that one Super Bowl year is blinding me to all the other years he's been there. But I'm going to continue to trust him, trust the moves that he makes. I'm damn sure going to continue to trust Doug Peterson as head coach. And no matter who we bring in, I know that Doug Peterson is a genius on offense enough to be able to um, scheme players open, scheme plays for guys who can get into space and make plays for us. And I, I just think that we're in a lot better position than a lot of other people want to think. So I think I think the number one goal this season has to be to stay healthy. It just has to be. Um, but we also can't, you know, put this huge target on these our new draft prospects' backs thinking, all right, well, if you don't show up week one with an incredible, like, MVP offensive player of the year performance, well, then you're done. You know, because the draft isn't for just this year. It's for two or three years, four years down the line, however long those rookie contracts are. So that's just my two cents. I think we're in a lot better position than a lot of people want to make it out to be. I feel confident in this team. Um, I only know that we can get better with the draft. And look, I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna win the division. Obviously, I think number one seed is gonna be a lot tougher this year, especially with there being uh, four. I mean, seven playoff teams now, and only one bye for the number one seed. But I'm optimistic. I think we can do it. I think the sky's the limit for this team if we stay healthy. And that's that. All right. So thanks for tuning in as always. This has been another episode of Birds of a Feather podcast. See you next Monday. All right. Till then.